Welcome to the Wildcast, back again for another episode. We are on episode, I don't even know anymore. But what I do know is that it is the episode that we are going to rank centers in the NBA, the top 10 centers in my opinion. Um, so this was this list I think was a bit easier than the other ones, right? Um, there was a lot less names in the power forward list. The power forward list had a lot of names on it, right? And that was a tough one to go through. Um, but the centers list, I only had 13 names, three honorable mentions in the top 10 guys. Uh, before we get into it, make sure to listen on all the audio platforms, have a podcast, Spotify, and then go over to YouTube for another audio. If you want that, get it all likes, rate it all highly, please. And yeah, let's get right into it. Um, for the first honorable mention on the list, we have the man that got traded for 70,000 picks, Rudy Gobert. All right. Rudy Gobert, 70 games this season, 13 points, 11 boards. I mean, it was a good season from Rudy Gobert. Let's let's not say that. Let's not say it was a bad year. Um, it was a below average year for him, but it still wasn't a bad year. Um, the Timberwolves still are the top fifteen defense in the league. Rudy Gobert was there to anchor that thing. Uh, one point four points. I mean, blocks per game. One point four blocks per game. He played a lot of games. He played seventy games. Um, the thing that kills it here for me, I think, is just he underperformed for the value that he was at, right? Um, when he got traded in Minnesota, we all know it was a, a package and a half, right? It was so many picks in that trade, and people really expected him to be that all-star defensive player of the year uh, defender that he was. And uh, it, you just didn't see it on the court. Um, it, it was kind of underwhelming for him. Uh, the Timberwolves obviously didn't have great team success, but I think that part of it was a gelling period that they couldn't really figure out. Cat um, only played like 20-ish games, 30 games. Um, so there wasn't really much to go off of when you came into the playoffs and then we were having a, a big man, Rudy Gobert, and Cat trying to figure out how to play the four and then how that spacing all worked considering Rudy Gobert shot zero threes this entire year. Um, I think it was just, yeah, a weird gelling period for them. It was their first full season together. Um, and I think that next year it could be better if they just figure out really how to um, make it all work. They just need a little bit more time. They need a little bit more game plan about how it's all going to work out. But I think there's a lot of steps to make it work. And I think Rudy Gobert had a decent season, but obviously it wasn't up to his standards. Uh, next honorable mention would have to be Clint Capella. Um, 12 points per game, 11 rebounds. And really, I just, I don't really know what else to say about Clint Capella. He's, he's 28 years old and he seems 36, right? Um, it, he, the, the Hawks did not have a good defense this year. Um, he did not play good defense this year. Uh, it's, the Hawks are kind of just a, are, they're in shambles right now, right? We don't really know what's going on over there. We know that, <laughs> we know that Trey Young's a point guard and Quinn Snyder's the coach. We don't know anything else about that team, right? DeJounte Murray, who knows what he even wants out of a team. Clint Capella, I've heard in so many trade rumors. They just shipped out John Collins to the Jazz. Um, they got such a backup at that forward position. They have so many young guys to try to fit in. But I think Clint Capella still had a good year. Um, it's just the matter of the fact that you never heard about Clint Capella or the Hawks really all year. He was just really wasn't um, – there There was no impact there. Um, Clint Capella put up the numbers, but it night in and night out, it was just 
like what where's what is it going towards they were a 500 team um they didn't really play well in in the play-in and uh there just really wasn't much success and i'm not saying it's clint capella's fault but it might just be another thing like timberwolves where they're just learning how to gel with a uh with a two-point guard backcourt um which moves us to our next honorable mention in the final honorable mention which is Jonas valanciunas and i was really debating putting him in the top 10 um just because I didn't really know the numbers he had this season. I thought he played – he had 14 points, 10 boards, and 2 assists, and he played 79 games. I personally did not know Jonas Valanciunas was like that. I did not know he was putting up these kind of numbers. It's a step down from last year because um, he played six less minutes per game. Uh, there was more of a backup at the center position over there in New Orleans. Um but I still think it was a very productive year for Jonas Valanciunas going into year seven, I believe. Um, it's still what I would expect out of him, right? Um, he's not really a championship center, you wouldn't think. But he'll be there night in and night out, obviously. And he'll give you a good amount of points and a good amount of boards. And he'll just be there. He'll he'll be a reliable guy to play with. Um, the Pelicans, obviously, were not a very good defensive team. Also, they were tied for 15th with the Timberwolves. Um but again, there was just really no success here. A lot of these middle of the pack teams are just—they're just kind of meshed together at some point, right? Because you don't really know who had the outstanding seasons and who didn't, because they're all just at around that 500 range. The Hawks fall into that category. Um, not the Hawks, the Pelicans. I apologize. Um, moving into the top ten, at the number ten spot was the man that has just been traded to Portland, the Portland Trailblazers' new starting center, DeAndre Ayton. Now, me personally, I'm a I'm a very big Ayton guy. I like Ayton's game. I like watching him on the court. He has a fun game to watch. Um, he can do a lot of things on the court as well. I mean, he's a well-rounded center. But the thing, the reason that he's at 10 for me was his attitude all season, right? You just, you watch DeAndre Ayton all year. And it seemed like he didn't want to be there all year. And we all knew that he didn't want to be there. Um, it wasn't really the si- the system really didn't fit him. And the fact that he still averaged 18 and 10 in a situation that he didn't want to be in at all. Like he was, he wasn't having fun playing basketball. And for a former first overall pick, it's tough to see a guy come to this, right? He just, he gets drafted to a place for the first overall pick to a franchise that really for the last couple of years, well, not recently, when he was drafted, when he was drafted for the last couple of years, they weren't successful at all. So you really think he's going to come in and be like a second option to Devin Booker. And that's not at all what happened, obviously, because they got the star power in Kevin Durant. They got the star power in Chris Paul, and they have the star power in uh, Devin Booker still. And he just kind of faded away, and he didn't like that role anymore. And I think that really just took his confidence down um next season i fully expect deandre ayton to be a top five center in my opinion i think just seeing the little bit of like media day clips from deandre ayton he seems so much happier already just to be there and be in a new situation i think fresh air can really do something to really do something to a player and really up his game but i think i do think deandre ayton can take that next step this season and really just hopefully find a situation that he enjoys and will start to regain the love of basketball that he had but yeah personally i think that's why he's at number 10 for me moving on to number nine this was um a controversial one for me because when i first did when i do these rankings right i just 
look at the names and I just throw them all down randomly and I just go like my first ranking is just straight off what I think looks the best. And Carl Anthony Towns, who's at number nine, was originally at number five for me. And I looked at his stats. I pulled up the basketball reference page. Carl Anthony Towns played 29 games this season. I looked at that and I bumped him down to nine instantly. Like it was just like that. 21 points per game, eight boards, five assists. Great numbers from a guy who's never played power forward in his career. This is his first year playing power forward. And honestly, it's it's tough to be a four next to Rudy Gobert, right? Because there's no floor spacing. Cat uh, has been a, a, a an unconventional center, let's say, right? He's just a big guy who kind of plays like a guard, if we're being honest. Shoots a lot of threes. Uh, he likes the ball in his hands. He can create for himself. Um, but being a four next to Rudy Gobert, I think, is tough on the basketball court, just strictly because you're kind of button heads with them at all times. And you really can't... Um, tell him to get out of the paint because he's not going to do anything once he's out of the paint. Um, but I think Conley Towns still had a great season. Um, in the playoffs, he had that really one great game against the Denver Nuggets to steal it, to steal uh, the one game that they did. Um, but I think the only reason he's above DeAndre Ayton for me was because of the playoff performance that he had. I just think that um, the game that they took and Conley Towns showed his dominance there. It was really just like watching Old Cat. And I think next year, again, like I said with Rudy Gobert, there's going to be a whole lot more um, fluidity, I think, to this because they're going to start figuring stuff out and they're going to start finding something that works and they're just going to keep going at it. But next year, uh, Carlton Towns will be in the power forward list if nothing changes with their lineup. So, I mean, we'll see how that goes. But as of right now, he's still in the center list because he's still listed as a center on basketball reference. So that's number nine, Carl Anthony Towns. Moving on to number eight. Um, now, I really wanted to put this guy higher um, just because I know what he can do, and I think a lot of people know what he can do. Like last season, um, his team was a like top-half defense, and this season it just wasn't the same. Um, the player I'm talking about, of course, is uh, Nikola Vucevic. Right? Last season, the Bulls were a top top-half defense. He really isn't a guy that you would expect to be uh, the anchoring center of a top-tier defense. Last season, the Bulls were, of course, 12 in defensive rating. This year, they were 20th. Um, it's it's a big step back, and I think Vucevic still put up good numbers. He put up 17, 11, and 3. He played all 82 games, which is impressive itself, but when I really took a step and looked back at it, all these guys above him, I think, does, just deserve it a little bit more, even though it kind of hurts because I want to see Nikola Vucevic exceed up. I like his game. I like the I like his story. I like the way he plays. Um, but yeah, he, he falls at eight for me, unfortunately. But moving on to number seven on the list, we have the one, the only Miles Turner. Um, I I love Miles Turner's game, right? I love him as a center. Uh, last season, before the D'Angelo Russell trade, when the Lakers were linked to a bunch of trades evolving, um, Miles Turner and Buddy Heald, I was really excited because I like Miles Turner. I like his game. And I think he would have fit well next to Anthony Davis. But this season in Indiana, um, it was his best year scoring. 18 points per game. He had seven boards, um, 2.3 blocks per game. Miles Turner was really just, this was his best year by far in the league. Um, partly because of that is I think Tyrese Halliburton was spoon-feeding him all season, right? He was just getting easy buckets left and right. And I think for him specifically, his stat lines between last year and this year really shows the impact of having a top-tier point guard on your team, right? Last year, he had 12 points per game. This year, 
he had 18 points per game. Um, and I just think that it really shows what a center can be if you get a point guard that will look for him every single time down the court, right? Because that's what Tyrese Halliburton does. He looks for the best pass possible. And a lot of the times, it was Miles Turner, and he was just getting missed the last couple of seasons. But I think having a great point guard on this team really elevates Miles Turner to another level. And next year, I'm really excited to see what he can do because this is just a stepping stool and a learning period because next year, they can really put it all together and see what they can do as a team. Which brings me to number six, which will be the one and only Jarrett Allen. Um, Now, Jarrett Allen, I think, had a worse season personally, statistics-wise at least, than Miles Turner. 14 points, 10 rebounds, 2 assists, only played 68 games, um, which is more than Miles Turner. But I think um, even though his stats don't look as good as Miles Turner's, the Cavaliers were the number five defense in the league. Um, and that's almost, that's, okay, I'll say this. It's a lot attributed to uh, Evan Mobley, who is obviously an all-defensive player. And a lot of it is also contributed to Jared Allen, right, who is also a great defender. Uh, but it's the team defense that uh, Jared, like the IQ is just there for him on defense. He knows where to be. He knows how to help. Um so, yeah, it's really not the stats that stand out for Jared Allen for me. Um, it's obviously only his fourth year in the league. Uh, next season, I don't really know what the Cavs can do with him, right? Because me, personally, I said in the Power Forwards video, I'd like to see Evan Mobley run the five. And that probably means that Jared Allen either gets moved to the bench or he gets moved on to a different team. Um I think that moving him to a different team and finding another piece that fits next to uh, Evan Mobley better would would be better just overall as a look for the Cavs. Um, but Jared Allen, I think if he does get traded, which I don't know if he will, I've heard a little bit of speculations behind it, right? Because they want to run Evan Mobley at the five. They just have to figure out what to do with Jared Allen. And obviously a guy of his caliber is not going to come off the bench. So I think if you can find a trade for him, this new team, if he finds a place there, I think he can still put up the same amount of production. But really, the reason why he's so high on my list, or higher than Miles Turner, I should say, um, was because of just the team defense and the IQ that he has on the defensive end. Top five defense with your anchoring center being Jared Allen. It's really impressive, and it what it's what won me over. Um, moving on to number five is Kristaps Porzingis, the man who looked like an entirely new player in Boston in the preseason. I, this guy looked absolutely insane. <laughs> the first couple of preseason games, he looked absolutely reborn. Like people were saying all over Twitter, like, "What is this? This he was not doing this in New York. He was not doing this in uh, Dallas. He was not doing this in Washington." But if we are talking about last season, which we are, Kristaps Porzingis with the Washington Wizards averaged twenty-three points, eight boards, three assists. Um, of course, the defense is a lot to be desired. He still averaged a block and a half per game, but I think most of that is just because that he's seven foot three and can just stand over half of the point guards in the league and just swat him. Um, I think in Boston, he—I I actually don't know what they're going to do because they still have Al Horford. I wouldn't be surprised if Kristaps ran the center and uh, Al Horford kept playing power forward as he did all season. I also wouldn't be surprised if Al Horford played the five and Porzingis played the four because I know Porzingis also likes playing the four. He's kind of like Anthony Davis. He likes playing the four because he doesn't like guarding the huge big centers with, um, like your Joel Embiid's, like your Nikola Jokic's. 
Um, but I am really curious on what the Boston Celtics are, are going to look like with Kristaps Porzingis because this was a very good season last year for him scoring-wise, right? Um, he had a lot of freedom on the Wizards. It was the highest scoring year he's ever had in the league, 23 points per game. 50% from the field, 38% from three. Um, and I really think that he's going to take that confidence that he had in Washington, getting the ball almost every single play, and he's going to bring it over to Boston. And I'm really excited to see it because if this Boston team can add another dimension for their scoring rather than just the Jays, it, it opens them up a whole lot. Um, and I don't think the defense is really going to be a problem because you have Drew Holiday. You have Al Horford, who is still a good defender. And Kristaps Porzingis, he only looked bad last year because he's on the Wizards. He doesn't care. He's the type of player that um, really just, if he's not winning, if he's not competing, uh, he's probably not going to give it his all on the defensive end. And he's really still, he's no slouch, right? He's averaged two and a half blocks per game before. He averaged a block and a half last season. So I don't really think that the uh, paint defense worry for the Celtics fans will be a problem at all, right? I think he they will manage, and I think Kristaps Porzingis will be a good anchoring center for them. Moving on to number four, because Porzingis was at five. Number four is Bam Adebayo. Now, this is another guy, just like Carl Anthony Towns, that I think deserve to be higher on this list. Um, but again, I dove into the stats some more, and I realized that Bam Adebayo has had some flaws this season, right? 20 points per game, 9 rebounds, 3 assists. is honestly a great year for Bam. Um, he shot 8% from the field from 3. I mean, not 8% from the field, 8% from 3. He only had .2 attempts per game, so he really wasn't shooting it. Um, this was the best scoring year for him personally. Um, his defense did fall a little bit, uh, but he still was second team all defense. Now, there's two things personally that uh, put him at the number four spot and below the number three guy who we'll get to in a bit. But the two reasons here are A, the success they had in the regular season, right? 43 and 30, uh, sorry, 44 and 38, my bad. 44 and 38 they had they went this season. Uh, they were the eighth seed. They nearly lost in the plan. They did make the finals, however, right? The Miami Heat were in the finals. Um, but I think they could have done it if Bam showed up on offense every night, right? In the in the playoffs, Bam struggled on offense, and it just it looked like he was struggling. It looked like he was trying to find something that worked. Um, you, you you usually expect players to rise and play once they hit the playoffs, right? Bam dropped in almost every stat, um, which is something you really don't want to see. That So that's reason number A why he's number four and not top three for me. Reason number two was the Miami Heat weren't a top 10 defense even. They were tied for 11th with two other teams. Um, this is a team that prides themselves on their defensive play Miami Heat culture right and they I mean they play physical basketball they play high defensive basketball and of course it might just be because Jimmy Butler played however many games he played barely any games this season but I still think that even with Bam as your center and the culture that they have and the play style that they have that the 64 games of Jimmy Butler still in the regular season should be good enough to get you a top 10 defense at least like this team is built to be a top five defense and they were a top five defense it looked like in the playoffs at least I can't I don't know the specific playoff numbers of um, the rankings but 
yes, the Miami Heat were a top two defense in the playoffs. Um, but the fact that you don't do that all season is what gets under my skin, what makes me want to, like, penalize you for that. So, I, I mean, obviously in the playoffs as a team, they showed up defensively. Also in the playoffs, as it's, as Bam Adebayo himself, he did not show up offensively. So it kind of is a trade-off there for him. But he still had a great season, and he still is a great player, a top-five center, and I have him at four. Um, I don't think you can put him. I don't think anybody who makes a ranking can put Bam out of the top five. I just don't think it's possible. He's too good of a player to put outside of that range. Um but yeah, the guy that beat him out in the number three spot is DeMontis Sabonis. The Sacramento Kings continue to dominate. Honestly, they had one of the one one of my most favorite seasons as an NBA fan, just because it's it's the Sacramento Kings, right? Nobody expects the Sacramento Kings to be the team that they are. They show up. They made the playoffs comfortably. They may have lost in the first round, but. That, honestly, that series felt like an NBA Finals. That Warriors-Kings first-round series felt like an NBA Finals. There was so much intensity behind that. DeMontis Sabonis, De'Aaron Fox, they, they showed out all year. DeMontis Sabonis, 79 games, 19 points, 12 boards, 7 assists. Dang near averaged a triple-double at center. That is just impressive, really. Um, it was the best, second-best year scoring for him as a personal player. He uh, averaged 20 points a game in Indy one time. Um, it was the highest assist year he had, highest rebounding year he had. Um, it was just a career year for DeMontis Sabonis. It was one of the best seasons in recent history for the Sacramento Kings. Um, and he showed up in the playoffs. Um, they, they might have lost, but that's just because the Warriors had an overwhelming team. But Sabonis was there. And obviously, I think it's super impressive that he's top three centers on my list personally. Because everybody knows the top two that I'm about to say. Everybody knows the next two guys I'm about to say. But so you're really fighting for that three spot when you're coming outside of those two guys. But DeMontis Sabonis really proved himself this season, and I'm very excited to see what he does next season because they found success this year. And if it's one thing I know, it's that once you find success, you just build on that success and you keep doing what's succeeded. So I'm very excited for the Kings. I'm very excited for DeMontis Sabonis, see what they can do next year. And of course, this brings us to the top two guys, the MVP and the finals MVP. And no, Kai Jones is not on this list, despite his delusional talking on Twitter and all his uh, celebrating for getting waved from the Hornets. And uh, that guy's not there in the head, I don't think. But of course, number two, I think, in my personal opinion, is going to have to be Joel Embiid. Um, now, of course, this is the MVP of the league. And so it's kind of difficult to put somebody above the most valuable player. Um, but I, I just, I, I can't do it in my right mind. I just, Jokic had way too good of a year um, to not be considered the best center in the league, right? Joel Embiid, no slouch at all. 33 points per game. I believe he was the scoring champ this season. I don't think anybody, uh, yeah, yeah, he was the scoring champ this year. Um, so it was, it was an incredible season for Joel Embiid, right? Um, 33 points, 10 boards, four assists. The 76ers were a top three defense in the league. Uh, so Joel Embiid was there. Joel Embiid was clearly the MVP in my opinion. He definitely earned it this year. I know a lot of people saying it was just 
tired out voters that didn't want to give it to Jokic again, so they gave it to Embiid. But I do think that Joel Embiid deserved it this year. It's just what killed it for me was the playoffs, right? You saw Joel Embiid go from this 33-point-per-game dominant score and he dropped 10 points per game in the playoffs. He went down to 23 points per game, not even 10 boards. He averaged nine boards. It was really just a sad showing from him in the playoffs. And I'm not blaming him entirely because it wasn't. There was a lot of turmoil in that locker room, I think. James Harden really, of course, we know now what's going on with him. We don't even know why he's, if he's showing up or not, if he's going to show up, what his relationship is with the front office. But I don't think Joel Embiid I don't think I can put him number one when you lose that much play come playoff time I don't want to see if I'm if I'm the general manager right now I'm furious if my MVP player drops 10 points per game once we hit the playoffs because the playoffs is what matter the playoffs is where it counts and you can't be dropping 10 points per game once you get there you just can't um as for the number one guy on my list, it is officially Nikola Jokic at number one. 25 points per game, 12 boards, uh, 9.8 assists. Almost had that triple-double. Um, but what more can you say about this guy? Obviously, the regular season number was there. But the playoff numbers, 30 points per game, 13 rebounds, and 9 assists again. Um this is this is what you want to see, right? Nikola Jokic took a step back during the regular season. He just made the playoffs. And once it hit playoff time, he took his play to the next level and upped his numbers and upped his play. And it won him the championship, right? It won him the first championship in franchise history. And I think it's well-deserved that he won finals MVP. Um, again, should he have won regular season MVP? I don't think so. I think Joel Embiid did deserve it. But Nikola Jokic is the best center in the league because of his improved play when it came to the time that matters. Um, so yeah, that's going to be the top 10 NBA centers list. Next week, we are finally done with rankings, right? All the position rankings are out the window. Next week, we're going to be going over um, the predictions from me for the regular season. Uh, playoff picture, all that prediction type stuff. To go over the rankings one more, honorable mentions were Rudy Gobert, Clint Capella, Jonas Valanciunas. At the number 10 spot, DeAndre Ayton, number 9, Carl Anthony Towns, number 8, Nikola Vucevic, number 7, Miles Turner, number 6, Jared Allen, number 5, Kristaps Porzingis, number 4, Bam Adebayo, number 3, DeMontis Sabonis, number 2, Joel Embiid, and number 1, Nikola Jokic, the finals MVP. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the Wildcast, and hey, Back-to-back Fridays, look at us. Um, Again, listen to Spotify, listen on Apple Podcasts, go over to YouTube and listen there. Thank you for listening. I don't know when the next uh, WCLS video will be out. I wanted to talk a little bit about um, preseason, but I don't know if there's enough to make a whole uh, podcast episode about it. But we'll see. Again, that's going to be random. So as long as y'all listen on all the platforms, we will see you next week here. Peace.